Hi, Harley. Hi, Michael. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Sunder and Salt podcast, the weekly podcast about the magic of eating. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is a pinch of salt. We've linked up midweek because we've got pressing things to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I don't know. Harley, if you've been active on Twitter or X in the last week or so, have you seen the buzz about white men can't jerk? I have seen a little here and there. I'm not as prolific on the old X as Malika is, but I have seen a little (laughs) conversation maybe about the price of some cuisine. I've seen conversations about the authenticity of some cuisine. Um, Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, but I feel like you're more involved. Right, so we've mentioned white men kajak on the podcast a couple of times, but to put it into context on this occasion, there is a pub in South London called Prince of Peckham, who is owned by Clement Ogbonna. He is a British-born Nigerian, I believe, and in 2017, he opened the Prince of Peckham pub in South London, and in 2022, it generated £4 million. So there's a page on Instagram and on Twitter called The Numbers Game. And when you're popping in whatever industry you're in, they will do a little piece about you and let people know how successful you've been. They done they run a little bit about him and it made its way to Twitter. Generally, obviously, this is a, a black man in London with a successful food business. Prince of Peckham is very popular. A lot of people like to go there because it's a chilled vibe. It is a traditional pub setting, but with like an, an updated type of new London feel. So one of the things that people really love about it is the food. You can go to Prince of Peckham and you can get jerk chicken, basically jerk chicken, fries and curry goat Jamaican cuisine. And that has been Mm -hmm. one of the the biggest USPs over the last couple of years. Have you had the food from Prince of Peckham, Harley? So I have had white men can't jerks food before. I had it um, a long time ago where it was um, in the Old Street area. And I had it at Prince of Peckham. I was actually part of a mini documentary team that actually worked about Peckham, but we interviewed Clement and he told the story, which I think everyone knows now quite well. But I think also he was he was featured in the same Guardian article that we were featured in, or the yeah. Observer article that we were featured in February of 30 things to 30 things we love in the world of food right now. So I've been very aware of him for a very long time and like what he's doing with his business. But obviously White Men Can't Jerk is not his business. White Men Can't Jerk is a partnership that he yeah. that can decided to align himself and his business. With. Yeah. They basically have a residency in his pub. Prince of Peckham is one business entity and they have outsourced the kitchen area to White Men Can't Jerk. You have a residency there and they own the kitchen part of it. So it's two separate businesses. Um, And I have had White Men Can't Jerk in the past. I haven't had it in a while. I had it, the first time I had it was when they first launched, I believe, and they were kind of trying to make a name for themselves. And they were at Dinorama, Street Feast Dinorama. And I think this one was the one in like the Hackney area. And they tried to entice me into trying the chicken. I think they could sense my discomfort, actually, with the name as I walked past. I was very, I was very much like, mm-hmm, okay. Um, and they were like, no, try it. Trust me, it's authentic. It's really good. This, this, that. And I said, ah, I'm okay, thank you. And I tried other things. I went back to Dinorama because I used to love Dinorama on a date. And somebody next to me was eating it. And I'll be so real, it looked really nice. It was like the grilled chicken with the chips and it came with a sauce on top and loads of spring onions. And we decided to try it and it was and it was nice. I haven't had it in a while just because it got to the point for me where I just felt like, eh, I'm just not particularly comfortable as much as it tastes good. So I don't go out of my way and I don't really go to Peckham. So I've just really had no reason to eat their food I think actually I have had it in the last couple of years for a birthday and if I'm being honest I felt like it had changed I felt like it tastes better back in the day so there just really is no incentive for me to try it just to clarify for anyone who doesn't know or understand the restaurant is called white men can't jerk but this is actually this is white men this is the business of white men yes cooking Jamaican food so just for anyone who doesn't understand it's not like a play on words by other people like this is white men can't jerk play on the film title um white men can't jump someone wrote them up online um and they actually said i think one is from like dorset another one is from london 
it was white men can't jerk was born because they would like cook at home and people really liked it. They actually asked them why Caribbean food and they said it was an idea for ages, but not one that any of them took seriously until a couple of others backed him. They love Caribbean food, the smoky flavors, the spice of it. They'd cooked it before at barbecues. Um, and it was just something, jerk was something that one of them had learned to cook from an early age and kind of became his signature dish. People were complimenting mm. him. He was getting a lot of praise for it. So somebody in 2014, they decided that they were going to start this white men can't jerk thing. Um, and then they asked them, what was the mastermind behind the name? And it's actually really, really important that we share this because this was some of the, the contention online. And it's it drives a bit of discomfort for me, if I'm being completely honest. Um, they said it was a name way before it was an actual business. They were having a barbecue one night in Croydon and he brought out some jerk bits and bobs. They cooked it up. They were laughing and joking and talking about the idea of him actually cooking professionally. And Harry said, yeah, you could call it white men can't jerk. And it stuck from there. I think it even became a nickname for me for a while. When people ask now, we just say we're massive Wesley Snipes fans. So for me, it Mm. sounds like you're trying to make sense of the madness but I, it doesn't sound like it was born into something. Retrospectively. Yeah, yeah. It sounds a little bit like, when I hear that, for me, it sounds like you know that you're a, a white man in a particular space and it's funny to you lot. Yeah. To then center that as your business, for me, there's something about it that just, it smells. There's just something about it that smells yeah. for me personally. It's not in right and I think another thing that we learned recently um a collaboration that white men can't joke have had and we're going to get into this in terms of like who kind of gets awarded what titles mm-hmm. or accolades or whatever but they did a collaboration with Duppy Share Caribbean Rum which Duppy Share oh they has, did yeah they did a collab it wasn't a collaboration of a drink it was like a meal kit thing so it was like mm-hmm. a partnership of the drink with their food like a cocktail with their food and it says, we teamed up with White Men Can Jerk in South London, the home of London Jerk, with a simple mission to revive the capital street. One Caribbean. <laughs> to revive the home of London Jerk with a simple mission to revive the capital street food scene, one Caribbean dish at a time. However, I don't know. So just again, if anyone doesn't know, Duppy Share Caribbean Rum is a white owned company. Yes. It's a white yeah. owned and MD'd brand. And I think that kind of slipped under the radar because they've had some big endorsements from some mm-hmm. notable Jamaican and Caribbean figures, Kano to be one of them. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so you're telling me that the white run Duppy Share brand is deciding where the home of London jerk is and they've decided that it's white men can't jerk and that between them, between Duffy Share and white men can't jerk, we're going to revive the capital street food scene one Caribbean dish at a time. So I wasn't actually aware of that. I've never read that or seen that with my eyes. But listening to that, I think feeds nicely into what people were talking about online. So the reason why there was all of the, the the big talk online and it was a conversation that spanned probably two days on Twitter is because the numbers um, page that shared the information about Prince of Peckham and the success of Prince of Peckham and what Clement has been able to do, a lady retweeted them and said, good for him, but the fact that his pub sells Jamaican cuisine from a white-owned catering company will never sit right with me. And when I screenshot this yesterday, this tweet had 1,334 likes, 435 quotes, 225 mm. reposts. So there was a lot of conversation about it. And it was yeah. quite divisive because you had a lot of people in the Caribbean community, people that identify as Jamaican, Guyanese, Tunisian, Trini, whatever, saying that this is indicative of the erasure of Caribbean culture and the disrespect of Caribbean culture in the UK. And then you have other people from other communities, sub-communities within the Black community that didn't really care and kind of saw it as, well, you guys are just rubbing him out. He's a Black man, he's doing his thing. You're jealous. You don't like to see people progressing. I don't see what the issue is. Mm. So we thought we would talk about it (laughs) as two... British-born, Jamaican-descendant women that identify with the Black community, are part of the Black community. What Mm -hmm. do you feel about it, Harley? What do you think? What's your thoughts 
on the partnership, on white men can't jerk, on the whole shebang. I think it's interesting because Malika and I have had this conversation off air before where we've discussed, you know, if we were to open a restaurant in London, like what would that look like? If we were to ever open a restaurant, what would that look like? And mm-hmm. I've said, like, ideally, I would love to open a Jamaican restaurant, like, because if that was my actual passion. But from a business perspective, I might not open a Jamaican restaurant. From a business perspective, I'd probably open mm-hmm. an Italian restaurant. I'd probably open, I don't know, some kind of fast food chain or whatever. So I understand why from a business perspective, it's not staying in your lane. It's not like you are this person, therefore your business has to represent your identity. So from mm-hmm. that perspective, I understand why Clement has been like, right, what's popping? What's going to get people through the doors? Where am I? Like, who lives here? What's the demographic? How's this going to work? I understand why he, as a non-Jamaican person, has decided to put Jamaican food inside his establishment. That's one, like, yeah. one, one thread. The second thread is, I guess, the same discussion that, as white people, they have decided what, yeah. as a, from a business perspective, what can I do? They have decided to do Jamaican food or Caribbean food. I'm not sure what they decide to call it. Um, from a business perspective, because they understand, and from what the quote that you just read, there is a marketable opportunity. There is something catchy about the fact that it's white men doing it. It's something different about that. And they position themselves in London, number one, if they're not even from London, They've come in to go to places like Dalston and Dinorama and now they're in Peckham. Like both of those are hotspots of gentrification. Like they don't care about the demographic being where the Jamaicans are. Yeah. They just care about the people that are going to actually buy their food. And I understand both of those decisions from business perspectives. There are things that you have to be mindful of when you're black. Like there is a level of community that you have to rely on when you are trying to build a black British business, unfortunately, from what we've seen, that means you might not want to bite the hand that feeds you. So my thoughts are, was the hand, was was the hand he was intending to feed ever black, potentially Jamaican, Caribbean people? Because I can't imagine that he made the decision thinking that he wouldn't have annoyed exactly those people with this decision to partner. Somebody else actually tweeted, Black-owned pub contributing to the erasure of West Indian culture and cuisine. Black-owned, though, so progressive. Obviously, they meant that sarcastically. Mm. And I think from the conversation online, what became quite apparent is, and I've said this before, actually, in conversations that I've had personally, as a global community, there is a Black community but then mm-hmm. you have to be careful to not get rid of some of the nuance in the fact that you have people from West Africa, you have people from the Caribbean, you've got people from South America that all identify as Black, but have very different Black experiences and also quite varied and diverse cultures. So if nobody, if you're not aware, Clement is Nigerian or of Nigerian descent. And so the conversation then became, well, if I was a, well, sorry, first of all, it, it kind of got a bit messy because then it was like, well, he's, he's Nigerian and he doesn't care about Caribbean culture. That's why he felt like he could do something like that. However, a lot of Nigerian people came back to say within Nigerian culture, we just wouldn't have an issue with this in the way that you guys do rightly, wrongly kind of doesn't really matter. The fact of the matter is if this was Nigerian cuisine and it was somebody from outside the culture cooking it, but they were doing a good job and we liked it, we wouldn't give a heck. So I think when you ask the question about, you know, what hand was he trying to feed and was he concerned about the biting the, the hand that feeds him, as a Niger- British-born Nigerian man with a certain cultural mindset, I'm not sure if he ever really saw it as an issue, it's not to say he wasn't yeah. aware that it may be an issue or it might rub people the yeah. wrong way, but deep down inside, does he see it as an issue or does he see it as, well, you guys like it, clearly, you're eating it, you come to the pub, yeah. this is what you want. And there's a lot of people, I think I think there is a bit of a black hole where people see that it's a black owned pub or owned, a pub owned by a black man, because a black owned pub and a pub owned by a black man for me are two different things. When something proclaims Ooh. to be black owned, 
<laughs> some people claim to be black owned versus when something is owned by a black person I think it's two different things and I actually went on the Prince of Peckham website just to see what kind of verbiage they were putting on there and and how they identified themselves and I didn't see black owned on the website so first of all for me that's one thing this is a this is a black man doing a thing this is not necessarily a black person making something for black people legacy yeah it's not like a yeah yeah, yeah. which which i think is is very different then when i actually went to look up on the about page the thing that stood out for me was it um it was open in 2017 clement grew up in peckham wanted to create a community venue in his hometown where everyone is welcome regardless of what race gender sexual orientation or religion it's a reflection of the solution to gentrification. And that's, for me, where it gets sticky. Because for you Very. to be a reflection of the solution to gentrification and you bring in the most the gentrified jerk that. chicken, <laughs> the gentrified jerk chicken, what's really going on? Something is amiss yeah. there. All of this PR is not aligning. Yeah. All of this all of this PR is not aligning. Like Because when you look at the... Um, and this disclaimer, this is not a tear Clement down thing. Like we're having a very particular conversation here about the decision to put this restaurant in this thing. Yeah. And this is just a pit this is just an opinion piece jumping on social commentary that has been going on anyway. We're not the originators of this store. And we we actually encourage mm-hmm. you guys to chime with us on this conversation. But looking at the group that he set up that actually owns both of the pubs he's founded or opened. Their tagline, we are the village people, is just making public houses public again. All the PR just sounds like buzzwords. We're gonna we're gonna <laughs> be a gentrification. We're gonna make public yeah. houses public again. Like I'm not being funny. And I know this is another topic that you wanna talk about, like when it comes to pubs as a whole and like pub culture. Yeah. But I feel like what you're trying to say is making public houses places me and my friends wanna go to. Yeah. Like, making in something that me and my friends will enjoy and as you just said maybe that's fine for him and his friends to go and enjoy a place that serves white men can't jerk but then say that the pr all the pr here is not aligning like home of london peckham being the home of london jerk collaborating with other white owned brands to revive the london food scene one caribbean dish at a time yeah. in a place that houses public again as the solution to gentrification what kind of thing what 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 it's a lot of it's a lot it's a lot of waffle it's a lot of waffle if i'm being honest i think i think this is what happens sometimes when you just don't say stuff with your chest i like this food and i don't give a heck what you lot think i'm gonna put them in here because i I had a very extensive conversation with one of my friends the other day and i was like from a like you said honey from a business perspective i think having been a customer of them in the past Aside from the name, what white men can't jerk put forward in terms of jerk chicken in a way that is presented in in something that feels like of the time and not just jerk chicken chopped up in full with a bit of hard bread. It was jerk chicken with fries, like seasoned fries, and it had a nice sauce on top and loads of spring onions, and it was presented very nicely. They've clearly worked on their branding or whatever it is. So I feel like from a business perspective, and I don't know what connections and links they have as white men in the restaurant industry in London, that's a whole different market that you're tapping into rather than when you take up somebody local that knows how to cook but doesn't have the infrastructure in place. I can see how that is a strategic partnership. As somebody that that works corporately, I get that. Yeah. And that's why I think it's important to note that regardless of maybe what's being said or inferred or not said this is not a black owned business it is a business owned by a black man and so some people feel slighted by the fact that well you know you've you've kind of grown off the fact that you're a black owned business and it's like this is a business that is open to everybody and he wants to be able to create a space that is reflective of the things that him and his friends like or the spaces that they feel comfortable in and it seems like if you've got the good music and you've got the right food and the right vibe, then that's enough to tick those boxes. But on a deeper level, when you look at who do you have behind the kitchen doors, who is cooking the food and what are the implications for that, I just don't think it's 
it's um, on his agenda of things to necessarily care about. I will say another point that's kind of put a bee under our bonnet about this collaboration specifically before this discourse even kicked off is that another tweet which you might have there yeah. basically said that um, White Men Can't Jerk is like the highest rated Caribbean food yeah. store in that person's area, London. like yeah. that person living yeah. in Peckham or South London, like maybe it's whole South London. And that part is the part that irks me the most, I think, mm-hmm. because you're absolutely right when you said, you know, you didn't just pick up somebody local and decide to incubate them. Because I think a, I'm running all over the place because my mind is like, yeah. I'm frustrated about this. But it's like, this collaboration is not short. You have not incubated them. They have been in there for years. And fair enough, that mm. might be a contract. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. There may be an actual yeah. contractual obligation that they need to be in there for. But this is not a short thing. The amount of time they've been in there, you could have turned over and supported 20 other different, you know, six-month residencies mm. or partnerships, whatever. That could have been the solution to the gentrification because gent- gentrification is erasure of people. And... Peckham does not belong to Jamaicans. So mm-hmm. in order for this to be the solution, I'm just using the language that they've used. Yeah. For it to be the solution to gentrification means that like I'm going to put something back here that was taken away. And that was not just jerk chicken. Or that was not ever just jerk chicken. So if you really wanted to be the solution to gentrification by mm. creating this public house and making a public space where everyone felt welcome, then that residency space would have would be turning over. That residency space would be would be switching it up every six to twelve months. I'd like maybe not for the first six to twelve months while you're yeah, trying to yeah. establish yourself and you know build some kind of uh, continuity and people turn up. They know what they're gonna get, but like it's been years. Yeah, I think I think for me as a as a business that centers the fact that I'm not a part of you lot's thing, but I'm gonna do you lot's thing type of thing, which is what the, the title White Men Can't Jerk gives me. I'm well aware that I'm not a part of this thing, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. I'm going to do it well kind of thing. It's, I don't know what's more insidious when you have a, a business that hides that or when you have a business that is blatant about it. It's kind of two sides of the same coin for me uh... almost. I'm not really sure how how I feel about like if if I never knew how would I feel versus the fact that you're using this as a marketing ploy to even propel your business because that's ultimately what you've what you've done and I think also especially in a place like London because if we're being honest there are white people in Jamaica yeah well, there are there are all kinds of people so it, it's not it's not the fact that you're white it's the fact that you're completely. <laughs> this is not this is something completely foreign and alien yeah. to you and you've I, I think where you've said previously Harley if you had a business you might be doing Italian food etc we're talking about this on an upcoming episode where the reality of the situation is black food in London black business in London in the UK is underrepresented and they do not have the access so in another time in another place Further on down the line, when things have progressed, the implications of the actions would be different. But I don't think you can decouple the current state and situation mm-hmm. from the decision making and then the, the implication yep. of that, where you're then turning around and we're seeing that they're the number one rated Caribbean food in that part of London. Yeah. Or the fact that they're picked to champion the revival of the yeah. food scene or the Caribbean food scene. I just think that's crazy. My imaginary business plan of this restaurant that I would open that would not be would not be tied to my identity is because it wouldn't be tied to my identity. I would not be the face of it. I wouldn't be the front runner of it. I wouldn't be like black Jamaican British born woman opens Italian restaurant. It would just be a business. <laughs> like it would be a business the same way you don't know what Mr. Favorite Chicken looks like. You don't know what Mr. McDonald looks like. It would be a business. But I think but what, would, then, what would make you better than Turtle Bay then uh, on that point? Like what, what would be the difference between that and something like Turtle Bay? I think the issue that people have with Turtle Bay is that the food is not good. Okay, so so they're taking they're taking a mick, basically. 
<laughs> well, exactly. And I think I think this is the loophole that white men can't jerk have been able to navigate because back to why his friends urged him to start this thing in the first place is that the food is okay. Like the food is good. Yeah. It's not the most authentic jerk chicken or jerk experience I've ever had because jerk and chips. You know what I mean? But like yeah. for what it what he's made, the product that he's made is nice, is palatable. I would buy it. I just yeah, I think I think some part of the fact that they have decided to make their brand their identity and that Clement has decided to make his brand his identity. Now it comes down to, okay, you people have attached these businesses to who you are. Mm -hmm. So take some responsibility. Take the responsibility. If you want to attach yourself to this thing, then you need to take responsibility for all that that comes with that. And if that means that people are going to jump on the internet and make you personally responsible for the erasure of... You know, or not even the erasure, but the pos- the erasure of the possibility that a black-owned Jamaican restaurant could be the number one Jamaican restaurant in London. Then, then you need yeah. to own that. Like, I, that, that's where I kind of stand on that, anyway. Yeah, I think I think there is an awareness. This is me speculating. I think there is an awareness at the White Men Can't Jerk HQ of the optics because they've got a page on their website supporting Black Lives Matter. They've chosen to donate to both a UK and US organization, Stand Up to Racism, Stephen Lawrence Charity Trust. The PR is a mess. This PR is a mess. <laughs> Show racism the red card. No, if I was if I was White Men Can't Jerk then this is not the question that you've asked me. This is the question I've decided to answer. The things I would be attaching myself to are not big old, hey, I'm not a racist. Hey, I'm not a racist. (laughs) Like, that's that's what you're screaming. When black people say Black Lives Matter versus when non-black people say Black Lives Lives Matter, it's two different different situations here. Throwing money at Black Lives Matter as a black person and throwing money at Black Lives Matter as a non-black person are two different things. Putting your money behind... red card to racism oh because that's doing so well isn't it oh we're really no, it's, removing it's, the, it's we're every really removing okay racism. not every but it's like but, um, multiple but, racist but my, racism um charities that's the thing that is organization, that exactly. me. yeah <laughs> but your pr is a mess because none of these things are aligning you are not the solution to gentrification that is the revival of the london food scene one caribbean dish at a time saying okay our charitable partner is going to be end racism no, your charitable partner should be the local community club within South London, within Peckham. Your local partner should be, okay, you should be throwing money at a Notting Hill carnival band or Notting Hill carnival organisation as a whole. Putting some money into something that actually directly corresponds or is the result of the problem you are creating. Mm-hmm. Companies like BP, massive global organisations like BP, they know the problem they're creating. They know mm. the problems that they are creating in the world. Therefore, their charitable donations and the whatever they call it, I know it's greenwashing, essentially. Yeah. But the things that they decide to attach themselves with on the other side are directly in, cor- in correlation to the problem that they cause. You are telling me, by par- those being your partnerships, you're telling me you don't even know the problem that you're causing. You do not even know the problem that you're causing because if you think that the the PR messaging to solving the problem that you're causing is to be like, Black Lives Matter, take the racism out of football. I'm sorry, the game is gone. <laughs> I wish you could see Holly's face right now because she's visibly irritated. I feel like this is just, it just screams guilt to me. It looks so guilty. Guilt. You've got, yeah, it, it just seems so guilty. NAACP, Legal Defence Fund, Black Visions Collective, Amnesty International. <laughs> they do not even operate in this country the thing is i don't know when the last time they updated this it could have been 2020 like the rest of the world when everybody was on was on action the NAACP is the national association for the advancement of colored people yeah number one that's the name of the organization and they are they are based out of okay headquartered out of baltimore founded in new york so the white men from dorset one one is two are from london according to what i read on that okay fine all right whatever the white men from the uk have decided that the charitable offset of their business decision is to support 
the national advancement of coloured people in another country. I think it's anything Black Lives Matter affiliated is what it looks like to me. True. That, True. Is, that is what it looks like to me. This is messy. This, this is a mess. This is a mess. And the people on Twitter, I haven't even found this out. <laughs> that Well, their argument very much stems from, this is a pub owned by a Black man in South London. And of all the businesses you could have found, this is the one that you've plumped in there in the heart of Peckham and there's definitely men that can jerk and do all sorts around there. I think for me, it's a very chicken and egg situation because having worked in places that outsource, when you are outsourcing something, you want them to take responsibility. In order for them to take responsibility of that function, they have to be ready. They have to know what they're doing. I don't know what Clemens's capacity or expertise is. So he may very well have wanted to align with somebody that knows what they're doing. And in terms of ticking the box of, have you got the cuisine that I want? Have you got the infrastructure that I, that I need you to have in order to run independently? Have you got the access, the supply? I don't know. There's probably a whole host of things that make them a suitable strategic partner. From on a surface level, all they can see is that he could have picked somebody else. For me, understanding the landscape of black businesses and what they do not have I actually can't reasonably conclude that there was a whole host of options that were ready to go in the way that they mm. have been ready to go, that are serving the same kind of thing. I love my people and I love a bit of jet chicken, but there's a lot of hustlers in the market but that that's, just don't that's have the That's why I'm saying I completely understand that. And yeah. I too would expect that. And we spoke about that on our food hygiene episode um, mm-hmm. about restaurants and whatever and like, how ready these places are when they open and whatever, whatever, whatever. I understand that five years ago when he needed to open and needed somebody ready to Mm -hmm, go, mm -hmm. the development of the black landscape when it comes to food and even the work that someone like Jackson is doing, like so Jackson from Black Eats London is making sure that all the businesses, and he spoke about this on a panel at the British Library that we went to, he, Mm -hmm. part of his like, company and the company ethos is making sure is getting these hustlers who make amazing food and saying right if you want to be any bigger than cooking out of your back garden you need to do this 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 exactly this. he's saying exactly. why listen to this every single year and you're not you're you could be you're, you're not gonna get through the door you're not gonna get there yeah you're not gonna get through the door and he's doing that work and he's been doing that work for a couple of years now and the fact that he's grown his advancement and his leg of like mm-hmm. that part of his business in the last three years and you're telling me that white men can't jerk have been in Prince of Peckham for over four and a half five years I understand yeah. your argument when they opened and I said that I completely understand why for the first two years you needed somebody mm-hmm. in there that could provide the consistency and the continuity to your brand and your business and as you grow, grew your customers that you needed let it go now my thing is, I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to understand some things that need to be understood. To be quite frank, but knowing what I know that- about business, yeah, some things don't need to be understood. But I'm, I'm trying to see if I can understand why this man would make this decision. And there are elements of it where I can see, not that I agree, I can see the logic behind it. However, for me as a person, and this is why I say it's important to differentiate between a black owned business and a business owned by a black person, it's two different things. And I'm not confident that this is a black owned business. It's a business owned by a black man. And so when you have things like that, that is the consequence where there is, there's a a level of, of care that you go to when your business is not about what it can do for the community beyond your immediate personal community. When you want to be a community-led or focused business and still generate some kind of profit, there's certain decisions you just don't make. That's just the reality of the situation. Yeah, I definitely think the behaviour is harmful. I don't agree with the decision-making. Even as somebody that has eaten the food and can appreciate the fact that you're not cooking crap, it's not Turtle Bay-level foods, that would be a lie for me to say that it doesn't taste good and it's crap. I don't really care anymore about the fact because there's loads of other people that can cook jerk chicken and it's nice. And ultimately it's jerk chicken with fries and a couple of other bits and bobs, whatever. That's fine. It's all cute and dandy. But within the UK, as a community, as a Caribbean community that has come through that Windrush generation and been subjected to the things that they've been subjected to, 
this just will just never sit right with me that the, yeah. the, the forward movement of the food is dependent on somebody outside of the culture and then you're almost monopolizing it in a sense because once you get to a certain level like you said with the Dupuyshire collab it becomes smaller and smaller and smaller so there's 50 people in one area that can probably jerk chicken and do it well but then when it comes to the opportunities that are afforded to you at a higher level the pool Mm -hmm. gets smaller and smaller the the awareness gets smaller and smaller and they're only going to see the ones that are being pushed through certain avenues and everybody else gets left behind and so how they advance becomes extremely difficult because they just don't have the chance or the access or the resource and then we're stuck in a a loophole and in a cycle yes Yes. <laughs> yes. And I, I just want to circle back on something that you asked earlier, which was, is it better that they're upfront about the fact that they've attached themselves to a saying that they don't even really understand and a community that they're not a part of? Or is it better to be like insidious about this, like how other people do and how other companies are? And I, I really don't know. Like, I just keep thinking about mm-hmm. that because I keep thinking, is it worse that we know this information? Or is it worse to find it out? Because I think there's another part of this that I see a lot of these days, which is um, like encouraging the community not to provide the black rage, like not mm-hmm. to not to get us all riled up about certain things that are not beneficial to us. Like, and I and I understand why people are saying, "Oh, you just want to, you don't want this black man to win, you don't want this black man to win," but it's like. I don't want anyone to win by stepping on my people. Is it worse that it's like directly in my, that you're stepping on my people in my face or would I have rather me never known and then find mm-hmm. out one time and maybe then it would have been swept under the carpet and I could have made a decision about it? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I, that that yeah. question is still circling in my head. Is it? Is it? Is it better the devil you know? Or, or you don't, or not. don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think for me, what it comes down to is the, the state of the economy, basically. It's the state of the, the economy within the, the black community in the UK is what I can speak to. And I think, like I said, in another time, if we were more advanced, if we were in a particular space, I think there is then the ability for the culture to be capitalised on. Are you meaning the power of the black pound? Is that what you mean when you're talking about the economy? Or you do literally mean the cost of living crisis? <laughs> no, I mean, in terms of the, like, within the black community, the state of the economy, okay. yes, the black pound. Yes, and the black the, pound. And the progression of, of black businesses. If we were to very loosely use the example of the monopoly that Italian people have over their own cuisine, when you want to have a Jamie Oliver's pasta place, that's a nonsense. There is a respect and an understanding there that he is not the be all and end all of Italian food. In fact, he's a joke. And people see that it's a joke. People may like it. People may like it, do you know what I mean? It's not to say it's bad, but in terms of authenticity, where you should go if that's what you're looking for, as like a leader in the in the community, in the, the cuisine, he is not that person when it comes to Italian food. And he will never be that person. I don't think we're at that space in the black community. And that's why you can have copies being written about this partnership, reviving X, Y, and Z, et cetera. And so I think until we're in that place, it is not a conversation. It is not even an option to have people with the access and the money that are not a part of the culture sweep in and then be at the forefront of it. I, I just think it's a very, very dangerous game to play. And somebody actually had tweeted or actually, no, it wasn't somebody. It was me that had tweeted about the fact that the, the, the magnitude of that the currency of culture and how much profit is made off of culture, people don't fully understand. And food makes up a large part of any culture. And if you don't have a monopoly over, or you don't have power over the direction of your culture, the preservation of your culture, how your culture is being used, abused, whatever it is, you don't realise how much you're, you're giving away. And in terms of the, the preservation and the forward movement of your culture, that can be shaped by people that are not a part of it very, very quickly. And I think when you see examples of women conjure deciding that they're going to get up and they're going to cook this stuff and they like it and blah, 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 and they're going to make a business out of it, they're going to profit off of it, 
they understand the monetary benefit of that culture. They know what they're doing because yeah. people don't just get up yeah. and make a business for no reason. It costs to make no. a business. So for you to decide to make a business off of something means that you see the value. Yeah. Why don't we see the value in it enough to understand and appreciate when people are outraged or when people feel away? So it's not to say you can't acknowledge that he's doing his thing, but I think there was mm. a sentiment online where it's like, I don't understand what the issue is. They shouldn't have a problem with it. And I think that is a problem in and of itself because yeah. this is a very dangerous space. If you're not the person that's been affected by this decision, yeah, I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to hear from you because it's the same way like when men speak up for women's rights or mm-hmm. men make decisions in boardrooms for like what, what women need and what women want. Like yeah. if these things, don't affect you directly then it doesn't not say you can't have an opinion on it but don't argue with the people who it does affect directly don't argue with the local residents who are not happy that when they go on delivery or just eat that Mm -hmm. you know the word you keep using the monopoly of their area is being taken over by people that do not look like them but are serving the food that they're expected to put their money into don't argue with the people whose heritage, like you or I, we're questioning the authenticity of this. Don't say, oh, it tastes good. It tastes like the one I had at Carnival. Who are you to be the measure of that? You can say, I support this guy and I like what they're doing. That's amazing. But to then tell someone who's, who's run up about it to basically shut up, like, stop, yeah. stop. Don't do that. Because there's no solution. There's not, there's not a problem here like this is a conversation so it's not like there's not a yeah, yeah. it's just a conversation that we are always having anyway and we yeah. have this part that we just wanted to bring it here so much more complex than just a business in south london and i think you touched on that with what you were saying about how food is the center of culture and how people are building businesses on culture and what the word culture means and how culture to mm-hmm. me or another thread is culture is becoming what urban was like, don't say culture when you mean black. Like, mm-hmm. don't say cult. You working class. Like, those things are cultures, but they are not. That's yeah. not London. London culture is not to be black and working class. But it seems that that's what the business is. I'm, go- I'm, I'm, I'm going off. I'm going yeah, to I, we digress. <laughs> we digress. But I completely yeah. think that it's more complex than that because I can think right now of some white-owned, run like chef that are making pizza. Like I could think of a few names off of my head right now that are mm-hmm. making pizza and restaurants that I've been to and I enjoy that make pizza. Pizza Pilgrims is two white guys yeah. who went on this journey around Italy and learned from the masters and things like that. But I have a respect for them because that's their story. They were like, we really want to do this thing and we love it. So we're going to go to the place. We're going to go to the source and we're going to learn about it and we're going to bring back Hey, when I read the book on the epi- on the episode, mm-hmm. the source told us this. These are the rules from the source. You're not doing. They're not doing that. They're erasing the fact that there is methodology, that there is core principles to jerk. They they are not sharing, and maybe they have, and I just haven't seen it. But if I was black men can't jerk, my homepage would be a picture of me in Jamaica, number one, because it would be <laughs> me learning, me me basically saying I am not a beg. I have gone, I have learned. It would be me standing with Ras Kitchen or whatever. Like, it would be me with the pan men in Kingston, mm. like, saying, I have come to the source and I have learned and I have shown it some respect. Even if I then go to serve it with some chip, I'm showing it some respect. And that's what the pizza pilgrim guys have done, I feel, anyway. There's another two guys, Sikh guys, that have a pizza place in Pop Brixton called Share a Slice. They did the same thing. They went to Italy. They learned, and that's part of their story. It's part of their brand. It's part of their messaging that this isn't our thing. Hands up. This is not our thing. We are trying our best. Mm. And this is just something that we really, really enjoy. And if you guys want to support us, that's great. Now I feel like I'm answering my own question, that I am more aggrieved that they are yeah. laughing it laughing in my face. I think I am answering that question. That's what it feels like. That's and I think that's what a lot of people feel like. Like the name is suggestive of the of like the the, the thinking basically or 
the lack of it's like the the net from anyway i come from a from a, a household and a culture where the name is of importance so i don't think you just name yourself anything for any old reason i don't have that kind of look yeah. but that name seems very intentional there's very yeah. clear intention with using that but to the, present your business and the to funny the world. thing is the funny thing is that because they didn't even come up with it themselves and that they're saying their friends said it to them and now they're like, oh, we're big Wesley Snipes fans. They're not even recognising that the producers of White Men Can't Jump sat down and discussed the effect that and discussed the effects of naming the film that in the first place. Yeah. And who they would draw to the film and what the story of the film is like. The, the journey of friendship between this black man and this white man over a basketball court, which is like a typically mm. black Face. and of the time that the film came out in what the 80s like early 90s mm. late 80s mm. like that film and a t- like making a pun out of the title of the film which has a very particular oh, it wasn't like, real yeah. from what they said it seemed like that's what it's i mean the most, it wasn't real yeah, and it you wasn't don't, real you don't know that you don't know that yeah. and it's again it's a lack of respect you're not sitting down and maybe it's because i'm a film head and like this is my my lane where i'm like Every single decision in every single piece of media that you have ever seen has intention. Like no mm-hmm. one puts out a TV show. Like they don't accidentally let words slip through in TV shows or films or mm-hmm. Easter eggs are not ever there by mistake. It's not a set designer's mistake that they left that McDonald's cup in the corner. Like these are yeah. intentional decisions. So it's like the disrespect of the process to me from White Men Can't Jerk is just glaring. Like in everything, in the naming of their business, in the intention behind what that name means to the people who actually mm-hmm. love the film and find it comical and and can do that. It's like, uh, no, it was funny when they did it. Like, And I know that they're sitting on the other side saying, oh, it's cool when they do it. It's a problem. When yeah, I do it. Yeah. Yes, yes, it yeah, is. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> because when they did it, there was intention. And, they, and there's a black man in that film. That film was about a black man. So, yeah, I think the disrespect is the and the erasure all of those things are coming together and i think the difference as well this is my last point yeah. is the difference between non-italians making italian food and white people or non-caribbean jamaican whatever the ethnicity is making that food is that italian people and black jamaicans in the uk do not have the same history this is this like, what I'm saying. This is it. The story, the, the story, the story is the not the same. the same. And you you can't you can't look at certain you can't look at decisions in isolation. You have to look at the entire landscape to understand what is appropriate versus what is not appropriate, or moving away from appropriateness to understand the magnitude of the decision making or the implications of the decision. In isolation, it probably doesn't feel or seem like a big deal. But what that is best, yeah. a very selfish way to view something and again i keep saying it but i think that's why it's important to recognize what is a black owned business and what is a business owned by a black person and i'm very much about Mm -hmm. supporting black businesses where i can but it's also important for me to understand Mm -hmm. does this business acknowledge that it is a black owned business that's like, do you, is, is that a care or concern for you? Or is it a consequence of the fact that this is who you are and you started a business? And for people who don't understand the distinction between that, black people will probably understand the distinction between that. But for anyone listening who doesn't understand the distinction between that, it is basically this conversation. It is that we have no choice but for this podcast to be a black owned podcast. Like we are two black women making this podcast. Therefore it is black owned and is black run and whatever. But if we decided to only sit down with the high profile guests that are sitting down on everyone else's podcasts and we didn't interview any black guests and we didn't have any black business owners on and we didn't support black black business or anything like that, that that would be the distinction. Like yes. us having yeah. this conversation is is us doing what we are asking of other black owned businesses. I think that's the distinction that Malika's making between yeah. being black owned and being black orientated like actually doing doing work for the community we have no choice but to be black owned because we are black but we could do things that act against our community ourselves our people we try not to we well hopefully we don't hopefully we have it on on this part as a whole but we would be lying if we said that that is not something that we actively have to think about like 
to actively ensure that we're not just jumping on what everyone else is jumping on mm-hmm. when it comes to podcasting or when it comes to conversations and we stay true to who we actually are which is very much for yeah. our people and like that's it that's the end that's period facts it's very easy Man, it's very easy to get lost in the source i feel like yeah to reiterate this is not drag clement this is not step on clement we are not trying to to whatever people are saying on twitter we don't want the black man to win i want people to win i want everyone to win but you are not i'm not going to allow you to win by stepping on me or my people like mm. that's yeah. the i think anyway. i think you can very I think it's very easy to acknowledge when somebody has been able to do something successfully. And I think that's why it's important to have conversations that are critical, like you're looking at them critically and conversations with depth. Because from a business perspective, as somebody that has built a business, successful. I can't, I can't say it's not. I can see it can't in the numbers. I can see yeah, it in the bars. I can't fault it. Do you know what I mean? As somebody that has been been able to curate and create a particular vibe within a pub that a lot of people feel comfortable in and, and are attracted to outside of what is deemed traditional, whatever he's out to do, I can see that he has done that. Some of the consequences of his decision-making and some of his decision-making, do I agree with it? No. I don't agree with it. And I think it would be remiss of me to act like it's not a big deal or it has no harmful implications or there is no negative downside. And I'm also not the kind of person that is monetarily driven to the point where I become blinded by the monetary success of somebody that I I cannot acknowledge that in order for you to have achieved that, there are some decisions that you have made that I find unsavory. (laughs) This is what it is. And this is somebody, like I said, that has paid the six pounds to eat the chicken. Exactly. That that I was just, that doesn't stop me from interacting with these businesses. If I if I ethically and morally did not interact with any businesses that completely aligned with who I am yeah. or who I want to be, I wouldn't be able to go outside. You wouldn't like, move. You would. You would not move. move. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't move. I probably wouldn't even have any furniture. <laughs> yeah like, I've worked in so, places that where I am the minority and it's very clear on the minority and there isn't much done by way of diversity and inclusion all of those types of things I know that I am not at the forefront of their agenda however I have worked there for whatever reason at that time be it because the money was good the opportunity was good etc I've probably been a diversity hire in my lifetime I'm also quite conscious okay. of the implications of that. Yeah, I'm also very aware of that. And I think that is yeah. what the conversation boiled down to. Some people on the internet, on Twitter, have a level of awareness and other people, maybe it's rooted in culture, maybe it's just rooted in a lack of care. One, don't want them to have that awareness and don't agree with it and do not have that awareness themselves. And that's what I I kind of signed off on the conversation online by just saying, if you want to eat there and you enjoy it, that's fine. That is not a problem. I'm not saying don't patronise it. I'm not saying don't do what you want to do. But you can mm-hmm. eat the food with the knowledge and understanding of what's really going on here. And that's how you should yes. be eating. That's how you eat as a conscious... That's how you eat and you engage with things consciously. Make yes. the decision. Stand firm in your decision if that's what you want to do. Do you know what I mean? But you can't... Yes. You cannot validate your decision by invalidating somebody else, especially somebody that is a part of the culture their grievances yep. that, that doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense and you should and you should be able to stand firm in that decision because the businesses or whoever it is that you decided to patronize or to support should allow and provide that information to you to make that decision white men can't mm-hmm. joke are not doing that like i don't even necessarily feel like i well to obey or not like there are many businesses that are not doing that but I just don't think it's fair on the consumer or it's fair for us to say because not it's not about telling people that they can't go there but it's also don't be ignorant to that there is more information than you are being presented by the brand or by the company to then stand firm in a decision that you know you don't have all the information on Mm -hmm, mm-hmm mm-hmm Definitely, and we, I, I, I found that Duffy Share article as we were sitting here talking. So it's not something yeah. that it's not information I've been sitting on. It's not information I've had to dig very deep to research. I've literally just typed it in and haven't had a little dig around. So if you're someone yeah. whose ethics or morals or like cultural decisions really 
that that means a lot to you, you can find that information and you can make yeah. an informed decision and stand firm in it for sure. Exactly. And I think just to, to wrap it up, somebody had also tweeted, when I go to a restaurant, it doesn't occur to me to think about who's cooking the food. I only care that the food is good, hygienically prepared, delivered on time, and the waiter provides good service. And I hear it, but for me the way that I like to navigate my life is with as much awareness as possible. And I think because of the power that food has within any culture, to simplify food in a way where it's, I don't really care about none of that. As long as it, as long as it serves me, I don't really care. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with that line of thinking. And I think that is why people will not understand why there are particular groups of people that are aggrieved by this kind of decision-making. And I also think it's the kind of thinking that allows your culture to be monopolized by someone else and you gain no benefit from it because you didn't care. You just didn't care and you you were happy for people to buy it out from under your foot. And I think you should care. I think you should care even on a human level about what goes on behind the doors of these places. There are people cooking the food. They're, they're, service, they're service workers. And I think that's that lack of care shows in, in different ways. But then on top of that, if you are choosing to engage with a culture, you should, if you are choosing to engage with a particular cuisine, you should do it with the, with the knowledge that this is part of somebody's culture. And acknowledging that would yep. at least make you wonder, who's cooking this food? Is it really authentic? Is this truly representative of the food that I believe that I'm eating? I think these are the questions that we should be asking ourselves and not just as long as it's good for me, I don't really care. I think that's dangerous thinking. Questions that need answering. Questions that need more thought. Just conversations that are not going to end and not going to tire. But definitely shout out to Jackson at Black Eats London, who is Mm -hmm. doing the groundwork to allow some of these businesses to come out of their you know, infancy and thrive in other places. Shout out to Lorraine, Lorraine Copes of Be Inclusive Hospitality, who's doing the groundwork to make sure that the people who potentially can cook really amazing, 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 authentic food who don't necessarily ever want to be the business owner, still get an opportunity mm-hmm. to thrive and to bring their skill and talent to, to all kinds of areas of the hospitality industry. There are many people that are doing the work. And yeah. I think it would, I think it will be nice when those people win. Yeah, I think so. And I know a couple of people had said, you know, well, they've got um, Flygerians like Queen of the South, et cetera. And it, it's, it's a balancing scale. It's like, we're not talking about that. We're talking about <laughs> yeah. Prince of Peckham and the decision-making at Prince Flygerians, of that, that's a different that's a different thing. That That's it Nigerian is. women cooking Nigerian food in a Nigerian-owned yeah. British pub. Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> it was up. Amazing. Great work, everyone. Great partnership. Great collaboration. Great PR. Fantastic. This this story here, the more we've spoken about it today, the more the messier it has become. And yeah, I think that is what it is. This has been the longest pinch of salt we ever Honestly, it wasn't meant to be it wasn't uh, meant to be this I think it's reflective of the depth of the conversation and it's, there's a lot of open ended questions that we haven't even been able to answer ourselves. And no. it's not to say an opposing view or something might spark a different train of thought but with what we the information we have access to and for what we've experienced this is very much my thoughts and my feelings on the matter that is it and in terms of this conversation is happening currently we haven't seen any response from clement about it i don't anticipate there will be i don't see him as a kind of guy who's going to like get into the weeds of what's being said about him on the internet but just generally there could be some changes. Maybe he's not saying something because he is restructuring the business yeah. and he is going to make some changes or whatever. So we invite him on Sonder and Salt anytime. Like have sure. a conversation. It, it, these are conversations that need to be had or else people will get the wrong end of sticks. Like this is yeah. the nature of, you know, not having all the information. But if you have liked this kind of conversation, we have jumped on this virtually, which I don't think we even mentioned at the beginning, just if the sound is a little bit different or anything. But this is the best way for us to be reactive about stuff on a non-studio recording day. 
find us on X. I, I reckon X might even have disintegrated by the time we publish this episode. Honestly. The things that we've seen Elon is planning to do in the next like couple of weeks. We might not be there anymore, but we're always on Instagram. We're always on TikTok. Um, personally and a Sunder result. So find us and let's have the conversation. We're interested to hear all of you guys' perspective. Yeah, for um, sure. If there are things that we've missed or articles that, you know, have got you thinking in a completely different yeah. way or maybe or even, thought like even misunderstood. Yeah. yeah. There might be things that we've misunderstood. So share with us, talk to us. That's what we're doing. Join the conversation. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you guys. And we will we'll catch you in the next one. Bye guys. Bye.